Thanks for downloading this podcast from the University of Portsmouth. In Life Solved, we're asking the big questions about our world, from politics to technology, our bodies and our environments. We've snatched interviews with researchers who are challenging existing ideas and seeking new ways of solving the world's problems. This time, Britain is burning. In our children's lives, the world will become a different place. The world around us will change um, in the next 50 years, definitely within our lifetimes, over the next 100 years. Change happens, but it's happening faster. We tend to find where we get abrupt climatic change, which we might expect over the next 50, 100 years. You tend to get peaks in fire. What does it mean for life as we know it? John Worsey spoke to Dr. Mark Hardiman. We've been changing landscape for a long time, yeah. humans. It's not just uh, since the Industrial Revolution. It's been happening a long, long time. When John met with Dr. Mark Hardiman to record this chat, Portsmouth had just spent the weekend basking in 30-degree heat. The parks and coastline here saw a rush of heat seekers, all wanting to make the most of this Mediterranean moment. But if Mark's research is anything to go by, we had better start getting used to the Costa del Portsmouth. By 2040, that will be a normal day right. in the summer. Okay, that will, it won't be a heat wave, that will be a normal day. Right. So and that's, you know, that's not that far away, really. That's it's 20 not, years no. down the road. People often think that climate change is going to happen in the future, but we're already living through it. Yeah. It hasn't started now. It's, it's yes. been going on for a long time, you know, throughout my lifetime, throughout your lifetimes. So, um, yeah, so it's something we're living with. The problem with climate change, though, is that I think the, the bad news, unfortunately, might come by the time it's too late to do much about it. Mark is Senior Lecturer in the School of Environment, Geography and Geosciences. Day to day, he's intrigued by our changing climate and what it means for the lives of those who come after us. In recent years, the news headlines have been awash with terrifying images of countries on fire, from Australia's 2019 wildfires to the Brazilian rainforests, Madagascar, and many more lesser-reported events. And fire goes hand-in-hand hand with human activity, both as a direct result and of the changes that snowball, to use an awkward term, in terms of climate, weather and atmosphere. Yet however shocking these scenes of faraway places in flames might be, it always seems a little distant from our own doorstep. That's why Mark's research is so remarkable. He's urging us to recognise that our gentle British climate is far from immune to change. The world around us will change um, in the next 50 years, definitely within our lifetimes, over the next 100 years. And I'm basically very interested to see, well, to ask a number of questions really, how is our environment going to change? What can we do to manage that change, to accommodate that change? Because we'll still be living here. And also trying to understand how these changes happened in the past mm. and what can that tell us about the present and the future really. And one of the symptoms of that change is fire, a particular interest for Mark at the moment. It's very hard to imagine in our famously rainy climate. So not a lot of people know, but you know, just to the north of us here in Portsmouth is Surrey, um, highly populated, lovely leafy green Surrey, most wooded county in Britain, not, which not a lot of people know. Right. Um, lots of houses right next to trees and woodland. Gosh. If Britain becomes more flammable yeah, and those forests and uh, woodlands become more flammable, 
there's going to be lots of issues around, you know, people's houses and stuff. And the thing people forget about fires, it, usually it's not with wildfires. It's not uh, the fire that tends to kill people, it's the smoke. Smoke can be incredibly dangerous and it can suffocate you very quickly, even mm. if you're not actually being that close to the fire. So there are lots of problems. Um, and I think, you know, we are seeing these fires in Britain and they are very difficult. But, you know, so there's lots of issues around yeah. fire in Britain. And I think a lot of people don't realise how vulnerable Britain is and might be in the future. Mark explained how we, our children and grandchildren, can expect to witness these abrupt changes. Mediterranean climate is one of the most nice climates to live in. This is why we all go on holiday to the, you know, mm. um, southern Spain and Italy and places like that. Um, but what it will mean and what, what Mediterranean climates are defined by is uh, quite dry summers, um, but quite wet winters, but wet warm winters. Mm. And that's, that's a very... That seasonality, and Britain doesn't have as much seasonality, it's quite temperate all year round. We do have summer and winter, but it's fairly, fairly temperate because we're, we have a maritime climate, the sea's just out there. But that will start to change, and we will start to get hot, dry summers, and that's perfect conditions for wildfires. Right. Um, the, to get wildfires, what you need is lots of dry vegetation litter on the forest floor, or, uh, you know, as that dries out, it becomes flammable. Yeah. And, you know, you can get a lightning strike. Um, so you get natural fires in Britain, but you can also get people setting fires or not controlling fires as well. Um, and that's how fires start and spread. Right. John asked Mark what it was that intrigued him most about building up a picture of Britain's environmental and climatic future. I'm really interested to see, you know, what, what can the past, and particularly in Britain, where I live, you know, where my family lives, mm. you know, how is that vulnerable to fire? What role has fire played in the past? And, you know, really, what role is it going to play in the future? Should we be worried? I suppose that's, that's, the, that's the three questions. Yeah. And they sound deceptively simple, but really hard, really hard. A lot of work is going to be required to really bring it all together. Really, we need to look at the past, have any idea, yes. um, because that gives us the time scales to look at how do, how do environments respond to abrupt climate change. So the idea is, but basically, I think Britain is going to become more flammable. But one of the ways I'm, in my own research, looking at this question is going back into the past thousands, tens of thousands of years ago even, and saying, okay, we know Britain was warmer in the past. Um, what was fire like that? Was there as much fire? Would we expect to see much fire? Yeah. And asking those kind of questions. Right. Yeah. To get a clue to just how much fire was a factor in the lives of our ancestors and in how it shaped the British landscape we know and love today, Mark looks at the charcoal content of soils, bogs and lake beds. For my particular interests, Things like lakes are excellent because really a lake is a big bucket that just accumulates sediment over time. Mm. So we can go to lakes or peat bogs even um, and take cores, um, which allow us to go basically backwards in time. So these layers are formed, a bit like a cake, yeah. and you go further, further back in time. We can look for charcoal, and that tells us whether there was or wasn't fire in right, the past. Okay. So I think that's and particularly in Britain. We know that you know, and wherever you look in the recent past, even in the last, the end of the last ice age, we have fires in Britain. Yeah, they're definitely happening, and you have the charcoal evidence for it. I think one of the really difficult questions is interpreting that record. How important were those fires? And one of the really interesting things with my research and other research from around the globe is we tend to find where we get abrupt climatic change, which we might expect over the next fifty hundred years. You tend to get peaks in fire. Right. So it's almost as if, you know, the landscape response to a change somehow involves fire, you know, clears right. out the system or, you know, it's responding to something, a drying out or a warming up. So and even during cold snaps, you get increases in charcoal. So it's quite right. interesting. And that's where I'm really interested. It's like when you get abrupt change, yeah. 
what can fire do, and particularly what can fire do in, within Britain. That hasn't really yeah. been looked at, to be honest, not in any great detail. Present day people use fire to clear spaces for things like grazing and agriculture the world over. In these cases, control is everything. This was no different for our Ice Age ancestors. Mark tracked the geographic line of human migration across continents and found peaks in historic charcoal matched up, like a sort of temporal footprint. That's not to say that humans are the only source of fires, but man-made fires can be a lot more destructive than lightning. But Britain does have natural wildfires, and we now know that there were fires in Britain long before um, our species, humans, right. got here. One of my real interests is looking to see how our ancestors used fire. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, our species have been able to control and create fire for a long, long time. Um, but it's always that interesting question, you know, when, when people arrive in a new area, are they using fire? But of course, humans create fire as well. And they don't just use fire in terms of campfires, but we know, looking at indigenous populations, actually people use fires to burn landscapes to drive game out. It's mm. a hunting strategy. So it's interesting. So we've been changing landscape for a long time, yeah. humans. It's not just uh, since the Industrial Revolution. It's been happening a long, long time. Mark's research also caused him to confront other questions, such as how much the landscape we currently take for granted as natural may actually have been shaped by man-made burning activity. At the end of the last ice age, suddenly you start to get people arriving in Britain, but it may have been 15, 20,000 people across the whole landscape, not that many. You know, if they used fire on a big scale, it's possible even quite a small number had quite a big impact on our landscape. And I mean, there is even ideas that, you know, the heathland we get in, um, across, you know, across the south, really, um, Hampshire and Dorset, um, that might be a totally unnatural landscape feature. That right. heathland might be there because, um, this is during the Mesolithic, people came in, they started chopping trees down for farming and other things, um, and basically created this heath, these heathland environments. Right. So they might be totally unnatural. The history in itself is fascinating. But Mark also drew some conclusions about what our way of life might look like in the future and how we might take such rapid changes into consideration now. You know, we plant woodland in southern Britain, uh, manage woodlands. Um, you know, if you plant woodland today, you need to know that that woodland's going to be OK in 80 years' time. Trees live yeah. for a long time. Yeah. When the climate's going to be quite different in Britain. Um, so actually, even though these changes seem like a long way away, we actually have to plan for them now Yeah. Um, start thinking about those management issues. Britain is very highly populated, many parts of Britain anyway. Um, you know, so we are, there is lots of urban-rural interfaces mm. all around us, particularly in the southeast. And if those rural parts are going to become more flammable, we have to figure out how we're going to deal yeah. with that. Putting more planning in for new houses, I think that's a very big deal. You know, with these new estates that are going, are we thinking about things like fire or not? Yeah. Probably not, because there's a big demand for it. You know, it's different pressures, isn't it? Yeah. Of course, people like the idea of living near woodland or even living in woodland. Um, but that's because I don't think they've grasped that, you know, these things can, yeah, can set yeah. on fire. But, you know, it's, it's well, one of many risks that climate change will present. And it's going to be yeah. a plethora, you know, uh, sea level change we've already discussed, you know, more flooding, river flooding and stuff like that as well. So it's going to be our climate's probably going to become slightly more unpredictable. Yeah. Mark's asking big questions as to how what we are learning might be incorporated into management of our changing landscapes in the future. Should we do prescribed burning? This yeah. is a big question. So particularly in moorland areas, the fire service often does prescribed burning now because if you do, you know, controlled burn, yes. you thin out the fuel source. Yeah. And if we go on the sort of the best case scenario where we really cut down on our 
greenhouse emissions, you know, we can actually limit some of these changes. Yeah. Temperature is a, is a fascinating one as well. You know, by the year 3000, if we stave off now, we might have sort of two, two degrees, three degrees warming, which is still a lot. Yeah. Whereas if we don't, you're talking eight, 10 degrees warming. I mean, could you imagine? That's, yeah, I mean, that's... 38 degree would be a normal summer's day in southeast of England. This is going forward a thousand years hence. Yeah. But anyway, but so there's going to be change. But then, the, you know, hu humans have, have survived big changes. We, our ancestors survived the last ice age. Mm. <laughs> OK, we were a much smaller band of hunter gatherers. Um, but I'm actually quite optimistic. I think, you know, the solutions going forward are interdisciplinary. It's about people working with, you know, engineers, scientists, managers, you know, it's, you know, you have to work together and probably global issues to these problems yes. as well. It's easy to imagine the world will stay the same, but the truth is it never has. It does seem, though, that changes in our climate will accelerate faster than humankind have seen for generations. As it was 100 years in the past, the Britain 100 years in the future looks set to be a very different one to that of our childhoods, with very different questions to answer. You know, I look, I look at these, these young minds, that, you know, very high in talent that come through our doors, and I, they're going to be the ones that are going to have to figure this out. Mm. And I think if they embrace the change, embrace the challenge, you know, I think we can adapt to, to, the, to these things. It will be difficult, though. Thanks for listening to this episode of Life Solved from the University of Portsmouth. Mark is now co-investigator in a recently established research team funded by the National Environment Research Council, NERC, to develop a wildfire danger rating system for the UK. You can follow Mark's work and hear more about the big questions research here is answering by going to the website. It's port.ac.uk research. Our new magazine, Solve, follows University of Portsmouth research when it's put into practice. It's full of news and stories on our world-leading advances and the changes these are making to lives and futures across the world. You can read more from Mark in our very first issue. Go to port.ac.uk slash solve. Next time on Life Solved, we'll hear how hidden cells in our brains could hold the clue to treatment for some of our biggest illnesses. We didn't really know those cells existed. We, we had hints of it, yeah, but we didn't know how many of them there were in yeah. the brain. Tell us what you think via social media using the hashtag LifeSolved. Or maybe just share the big idea with a friend. If you subscribe in your podcast app, you'll also get each episode of LifeSolved automatically. See you next time.